Hey, uh, welcome to our Christmas service. My name is Pastor Chris Ong. I'm the senior pastor here at FGA Melbourne. And wow, it is a packed out day today. Uh, the guys up the back have asked me to get everybody, if there is a spare seat next to you in the middle of uh, one of these rows, if you could like shuffle in and we'll try and squeeze as many people uh, as we can in here. But, hey, it's just such a great way to celebrate a Sunday. Like, it's not often that Christmas lands on a Sunday service. And, you know, in the lead up to this, um, everybody, as you know, is sort of in Christmas mode. And so um, just to be able to come and do practices and get a whole bunch of things ready for today, I want to say a really big thank you to all of the different acts that took place today. Weren't they fantastic? Yeah. Um, you know, if you're here um, and FGA, you don't come regularly to FGA, we're a multi-generational church. And so I was glad that we got songs from every genre up there with all the different generations singing together, all the way from to the kids, uh, ending with our youth um, that were singing yeah, Kirk Franklin, oh my goodness, 2015 Christian Song of the Year. Um, and so it's just been really fantastic to have our, all the different generations at FJ take part in our Christmas service. I want to say actually a really big thank you to Wei. Um, he's like so sporting. Oh man. He, Wei, thank you so much for all of the jokes. Like... We sat down and said, look, how are we going to do Christmas service? And we thought we'd go with, you know, like the ugly Christmas sweaters and, and all everything sort of uncoordinated. And, you know, like when it's Christmas and you open up your Christmas present and you get socks. And then there's like the, you open the crackers and you get a joke. That's not that funny. We would try to recreate that. Um, yeah, we're trying very, very hard. But um, hey, I'm just going to open us um, the sermon in prayer, and then I'm going to speak for about 30 minutes. And then, at the end of our service, we've got two big surprises, which is why we're a little bit ahead. So here's the, here's the, uh, the heads up. So at the end of the service, we're hoping to do a Facebook Live recording of our service as we sing Joy to the World. Also, at the end of the service, we will be handing out party poppers, but we're not handing them out early, just at the end, okay? And everybody has to point them upwards, upwards, all right? Then, at the end of our rendition of Joy to the World, which Sean will be shooting live. We'll start at the back of our service. Uh, Ian will be leading, walking backwards, and then we will come all the way to the front. Everybody will be upstanding, singing joy to the world. And when we finish, heaven and nature sing. I think Ian will count down three, two, one, and we'll all say Merry Christmas and 500, 400 and something poppers will go up in the air for us to vacuum after the service. <laughs> Right? Um, hopefully, everybody on this side will point it broadly to this side, and everybody here will point it over there, and we got an amazing rainbow in my head. That's what I imagine. 
we, we tested it on Friday. We tested it on Friday. The poppers went about that far. So it went, but we'll see how it looks with 400 of them going on simultaneously. The idea then is that we will share this on Facebook Live, and then as you uh, go back and you have Christmas lunch, which outside or dinner and with your friends and family, you could share a little bit of what took place here in today's service and spread the joy around. Okay, so that's the first surprise. The second surprise is actually we've got free food after the service. So if you hang back after the popping and the Merry Christmas and everything, we actually um, have catered food for if you want to stay uh, and not many places open for lunch if you haven't booked already, um, welcome to stay back and fellowship with us. Because here at FGA, we're really keen on running a Christmas service that's not super high mega production, but very real and relational. So actually, we just want to spend the day with you. And we just want to get to know you and say hi and show love like uh, Jesus did. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to pray. Father God, we want to thank you that uh, you gave us Jesus Christ. And today we're celebrating Jesus um, and his birth. I thank you for every person who is here. And I pray that even as I speak, that it would not be me who's speaking, but that your scripture would come to life today as it has for thousands of years, that this would be another Christmas in the legacy of Christmases that reminds us of the eternal hope that we have in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, Li Ming, you're going to run my slides? Thank you. Uh, thanks to Li Ming and actually the whole media team. Nick and all of them have done a really fantastic job. Um, Okay, so here we are. We're at the end of 2016, right? We're at the end of our happy series. If you've been here at FGA, we've been doing the Beatitudes uh, for today. It's Christmas Day, and the next time we're all meeting together, it's going to be 2017. Just a reminder, maybe for about 20-odd years, we've had a watch night service. Uh, this year, we're not having a watch night service, so you can count down in your own homes. We're, we're celebrating the new year all together on New Year's Day. So if you want to come again, New Year's Day is a great day to celebrate here on Sunday. I'm so thankful that um, we are all here uh, together, that um, we have some space at the end of a year where we can relate where we can connect, we can wind down from the things that we ordinarily do, and hopefully some of us have got some rest. You know, over the last month we've been asking this question, what makes a person happy, right? Um, I don't know whether you've grown up in church, you're used to church or not, but I want to put it to you that um, at some base level, everybody wants to be happy at some base level. Even if you really want not to be happy, then not making you happy is your way of being happy. Like at some kind of level, right, um, we all search out for happiness. In fact, um, St. Augustine, if you can go that, um, to the next slide, every man, whatsoever his condition, desires to be happy. Um, I think... We talk about this because 
And I know some of you who grow up at church, you're inherently uncomfortable with happy. When you hear a song like, oh, I just want to be happy, you're all, you're, everyone's thinking, no, 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 no. You don't want to be too happy because, you know, we're, we're Christians. And Christians are meant to be full of joy, not happiness. And, and fleeting happiness can be a very deceptive thing, thing because there's a lot of people selling happiness out there. So today I want to just take a little bit of time to clarify what the Beatitudes means when it talks about happiness. In fact, the Beatitudes use the word blessed, blessed, right? And we're going to translate blessed as truly happy, truly happy, the long-lasting kind of happiness, the real deep happiness. Uh, it's much the same way that people would say, Happy Chinese New Year, okay? Um, in, in Chinese, when I, or when I was growing up, they would say, Gong Hei Fat Chai, right? And here, it's translated as Happy Chinese New Year. But in the original language, there is no happy. There is no Chinese. And actually, there is no New Year. It's like something along the lines of wishing you wealth and prosperity along those lines, right? Um, that's because in the, in the Asian culture, the best thing you could wish somebody is wealth and prosperity. Why wouldn't anybody want wealth and prosperity? In our culture here, we would wish people happiness. Why wouldn't you wish anybody happiness? In Jesus' culture, in the biblical culture, you would wish people blessings. Why wouldn't anyone want to be blessed? Right? And so when the Beatitudes go... Blessed are the poor, that's like truly happy are the poor. And it forces us, I think, to think, oh my goodness, what is going on? Why is Jesus saying these things? Luke 6, 20 to 23. And he lifted up his eyes upon his disciples and he said, Blessed or truly happy are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Truly happy are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. And truly happy are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Truly happy are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice on that day and leap for joy. Oh my goodness. You see that contrast? For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. You know, the, the Beatitudes is such a famous sermon. Um, and Jesus, who, whose birthday we're celebrating today, um, uh, said these words 2,000 years ago. And I think they are still relevant, if not more relevant to us than ever before. Uh, over the last three weeks, we looked at poor, hungry, and weeping. Poor, hungry, and weeping. And I don't have enough time. I wish I could, but I don't have enough time to cover each of those topics. I'm so grateful for Roger, who did a fantastic service last week on blessed are those who weep. And uh, in, in, in many senses of the word, um, he was able to communicate the depths of us being able to talk to God about our sorrow. But, you know, in the list of things that are here, you'll notice that God doesn't mention, Jesus doesn't mention things, right? 
So no thing, nothing makes us happy. You know, I, I don't know if you noticed that this is unlike every ad that you will see on TV, on radio, on the internet that will promise you happiness. Because in those ads, they are going to push a product. You can only be happy if you have this knife set that, you know, cut steel or whatever. I don't know why you want to cut steel. Or maybe you see this ad, you'll be only truly happy if you get out of the heat in Melbourne and you holiday in, I don't know, Phuket or something, you know? And all the people who are in Phuket, they're already not here, so it's okay. You know? But we are continually pushed answers to happiness. Um, I want you to notice in the passage that there is a thing that goes on. It's called three plus one. Uh, it's a Hebrew poetic um, kind of phrasing. And it says three things and then one thing at the end. But the one thing at the end is the most important. So blessed are the poor, uh, blessed are the hungry, blessed are those who weep. And then today we're going to be talking about blessed are you when people hate you. And we're going to look at the plus one, the end. And it goes for two verses all the way to the end. And you wonder, oh, why on Christmas Day would anyone choose to talk about being happy and begin with, truly happy are you when people hate you? Why? Why would that be? I want to put it to you. So today we're talking about being rejected. Everybody has a theology about happiness. Everybody has some belief about happiness. Whether you think it is found in things, whether you think it's found in food, whether you think it's found in just no sadness at all in your life. So you've got to do whatever it is to not be sad. Whatever it is, everybody has a belief about happiness. And today, I'm going to try and tackle some, it might seem like cliches, but if you look a little bit closer, I'm hoping that you'll get a biblical kind of reward for showing up to church on Christmas Day. All right, here is the one sort of cliche that we're going to uh, tackle today. And here is the fourth belief about happiness. People make you truly happy. That true happiness is found in relationships and with other people. And, you know, like not everybody, right? Obviously not everybody. The people who you most love, the ones you look up to the most, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your best friend, your lover, your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, right? Those that are closest to you, they are the source of true happiness. More than the present it is, it is the person who gave you that present. So, imagine with me for a moment what it would be like if your mother, your father, your best friend, your lover, your sibling, just imagine, imagine if they really accepted you 
they really accepted you for who you are. They're like, oh my goodness, my son, I love you. I really accept you. You are so welcome. Oh, you couldn't have been more perfect. Imagine that for a moment. Would that not be a, a, a happy picture, right? Then I want you to think of the opposite. Now imagine, and I know some of you don't have to try very hard to imagine that same person, but they don't accept you. And you're meeting up over the holidays, and you know they don't like you, and, and maybe they're even your closest friend, the person you're like blood-related to, and now they, something's wrong. They don't like you. I, I know the disciples and Jesus didn't have to imagine very hard for this. Because in their day, their own family rejected them. Their people rejected them. And Jesus was hated so much, they ended up crucifying him. All right? So, if you can... I know some of you, it's not a hard imagination, but others of you, imagine. The love you most want, you don't get. What does that bring out in you? What would it spur in you? I think if we are all very honest, and you've given up Christmas Day to come here, I want to keep it as real as I possibly can, and I don't want to just do Christmas card sermons and just talk about fluffy things, and then we all... Um, Open up presents, right? What does it bring out in you? I think it would bring out hate. It would unearth the worst parts of you because the thing, the acceptance that you most want, you aren't getting. But do you know how hard it is to make everyone like you? Next slide. Do you know how hard it is? Like, so if people don't like you, especially ones that you love, they don't like you, it's tough on you. It brings out the bad side of you. So you run around trying to make everybody happy. And it is so hard, I'll tell you now, to make everybody happy, right? Because the one thing that you do to make uh, one person happy actually really irritates the other person. And then by the time you've made 50 different people happy, you are completely miserable, Right? And so this round and round thing of running around just doing things to make other people happy in the hopes of this belief that people make you happy, right? That is a cycle that I'm afraid has perpetuated so much of our world. I mean, I don't know whether you think the Beatitudes are relevant for today. But I'll tell you now, friendship, people liking you, your social network, these are big, big issues today. And people searching for their happiness by the number of likes they get on Instagram and Facebook. People searching for approval of their friends and their, their loved ones. And people going around going, 
in order to be happy, I need people to like me. Or at least if they do not like me, hit like on the app. I don't care as long as people like me. It is very, very hard if that is your theology, if that is your belief of happiness, and if that's what you're going to pursue, it is very hard to make everybody happy. I, I mean, if we can keep it real for today, I know some of you are here just to make your mom happy your, because you've come to church in the hope that just by doing this, oh my goodness, you've made somebody happy. Hopefully it's a happy day, right? Like, if we're really honest, these things, that's why the Beatitudes are so important. Because I think it tackles the real drivers inside of us that, that um, shape what we end up doing. So, let's say you rediscover that it's very hard to make everybody like you. So now, you're in a position, and I know there are some here, so I'll fast forward for some of you who are making this jump. You're thinking, oh, that's right. I can't make everybody happy, so what? I'm just going to make myself happy, right? I can't rely on anybody else. And so we go to the next slide, and you figure out very quickly you can't rely on other people for your personal happiness. And so now, your cliched theology of happiness, your thinking of happiness is, oh my goodness, forget everybody. As long as I'm happy, we're all good. Okay? And this is the thinking of some of the most loneliest maladjusted kinds of people around. People who go, I don't care about other people at all. I may have some weird thing that I like, something makes me, and, and I'm just, I don't care if it causes you harm. I don't care if it causes you damage. I don't care if it, if it fractures relationship. As long as I'm happy, I'm good. And what researchers have found is that, unfortunately, as human beings, we crave others. And that isolation of just going, I'm only going to look out for myself, and I'm only going to be happy, it, it becomes a chasing of something that can't be achieved. Just like some people can't scratch certain locations in their back, you know. It just, you find yourself in a place where C.S. Lewis says, you know, where you keep your love and you lock it up in a box and you protect it. And at the end of the day, you look at it and it's withered away. Because something is wrong with this philosophy of happiness. That you can't rely on anybody for happiness. So, what is Jesus trying to say? Let's look at the passage again. Next slide. Blessed are you when people hate you, and I cut some of the words just to keep it on point. Blessed are you when people hate you on account of the Son of Man. Because of Je Son of Man is Jesus. Now, let's be clear. Some people are rejected just because they're doing bad things. 
oh, they're really unfriendly. Like some people are rejected because, oh my goodness, they deserve it, right? This passage is not talking about that. This passage very, very clearly says, truly happy are you when people hate you. And it says, on account of the Son of Man. That means you are doing something that is on account because of Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk today in the last sort of 10 minutes about this other way, this other philosophy of relational happiness that I think Jesus embodies, that I think is talked about in Scripture today, and I think is the solution, well, not just I think, Jesus thinks, is the solution for this cycle of unhappiness in our world today. You see, the Jesus way, the real Christmas way, is that Jesus has more relational sway on you than the world. That means instead of doing things for other people, you're doing things on account of Jesus. Instead of doing things to make other people like you and to say, hey, you know what? Um, You hate me, so I'm going to do different things. You're saying, instead, truly happy am I when I do things for Jesus, on account of Jesus, so that his relational sway is higher. Now, I'm just going to, I know this is a little bit complicated, so we're going to have a kid's moment. Because I need to be able to explain it to the kids. It goes like this. So please bear with me, all the adults who fully understood everything I said. This is for the kids. Here we go. One, not everyone is going to like you. Right? Two, not everyone liked Jesus, who we are celebrating the birthday of today. But Jesus still loves you, and he loved others. So, in whatever situation we find ourselves in, whatever that environment is, we need to not worry about what other people think and see if we can show love and reflect Jesus. Because that shapes who we are. That will shape who we become. Okay, next. Truly happy. Regardless of what people think or say, show love and reflect Christ for Jesus' sake. How do I know that Jesus is trying to say this? And you might think, oh my goodness, what is this guy doing? Come up with some random tangential connection between Beatitudes and and Jesus, you know. Um, Let's read on after the Beatitudes. So Luke 6 goes on from 23, it goes to Luke 6, 27. And he says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And then it goes through many, many verses. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Let me just pause here because the, the other bits of the passage say, If you do bad to people who do bad to you, everybody does that. Everybody does that. The challenge, the revolutionary example of Jesus Christ on Christmas Day is he showed us a different model 
for our fulfillment, uh, a different model to live our lives. In fact, let's go to the next one. In Matthew, there's a parallel uh, Beatitudes, and it goes, um, it goes a little bit longer, but at the end of that is this. And Jesus says in the same way, and it talks about being salt and being light, and it, it ends like this. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, Jesus is the example of how we are to relate. There is some truth in the fact that people hold a certain key to our happiness. There is some truth in that. But if we are going to allow our interactions with people to affect our response and who we become, it very quickly goes down to the lowest common denominator. Instead, what Jesus did was he came into a broken world and he didn't repay bad with bad. He said, God is love. God is that template. I'm going to reflect him. I'm going to come. And he, he lowered himself down to a manger, to a, 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 a stable in an inn from heaven to show us the example of how we are to reflect him. Today. That's why when we say Jesus is King, uh, Jesus is Lord, they are not mega authoritative words. They are words that reflect us saying that's the example we want to follow. He's our example, He's our Lord. Philippians 2 4 to 11, I think beautifully says it. Next slide. Oh, yeah, so Jesus came, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a stable. In a, okay, next slide. It says this, um, Philippians 2, 4 to 11. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And have this mind amongst yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was found, he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born, which is what we're celebrating today, being born in the likeness of men. Next. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, and this is where the happy part comes. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, just like the song we sang at the beginning. And just like every church is singing around the world here on Christmas Day, exalting the name of Jesus. Oh my goodness, what a turnaround. How can it be that in a world that is so full of hate that killed him, he can begin an example that pointed to something bigger and something more. I think we have Christmas because Jesus chose to show love to us first. And what of it? You might be sitting here thinking, this is ridiculous. Uh, thank you, Pastor Chris, for explaining what Jesus did. That's all very good. I'll have nothing of it. Right? What did Christmas do? 
What was the result of Christmas? What happened as a result of Jesus' example into the world where people would hate him, they would exclude him, they would uh, spit on him, beat him up, whip him? What, what of it? What came of it? Let's go to the next slide. Um, okay, do we have Christmas? Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Oh, no, okay, back, back, back. Okay, great. Thanks, leaving. What happened as a result of Christmas? Here are some factual things that I'll just mention. One, Rome itself was transformed. If we just want to be factual, Rome, which was this place where Christians were fed to lions that killed Jesus, that had all of these atrocities take place, Rome itself, because of Jesus, was transformed. And what became the place that persecuted Christianity became the center of Christianity itself. Oh, that's pretty powerful. How do you go about doing that just by setting an example of love? How does that happen? Did you know, factually, that some of the largest aid organizations in the world today have their origins in Jesus Christ and have their um, start in trying to do exactly the same thing that Jesus was doing, showing love in a world that's not going to repay it back, that is not giving love out. You've got World Vision. You've got Compassion. You've got so many big organizations. They began out of this and look at the difference it's made. Many, many schools, hospitals, even St. Nicholas himself, I want to put it to you, was influenced by this desire to, in an environment that doesn't, is not conducive for happiness. That they would lower themselves and show love and model Christ on account of Jesus Christ, that they would do that. And it has, in our world history, whenever Christianity has done it right, and I'll be the first to admit, in periods of Christian history, we have done it wrong. But we always need to center ourselves on the example of Jesus Christ. Whenever we've done it right and we follow the example of Jesus Christ, oh my goodness, the kind of things that have gone on for this world and in this place have been remarkable. And that's the call on Christmas Day. But most of all, it's not even the things that take place here. I would not be doing you justice if I didn't read the last part of the Beatitudes because it says this. So, blessed, truly happy are you when people hate you. So don't, don't worry about it. Or on account of Jesus. If you do things for Jesus' sake, if you follow Jesus' example, right? And then it goes in verse 23. It says this. Rejoice in that day. And leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Another thing that occurred on Christmas Day is that Jesus brought heaven's culture 
here on earth. Another thing that happened on Christmas Day is that Jesus made it accessible for us to enter heaven. If we are his disciples, we are charged with displaying Jesus' culture here on earth. It is reflective of what is going to happen when the day comes when we all shout for joy and we go up to heaven where true happiness and true joy is. Uh, you know, a famous philosopher said, everything about humanity has a tinge of sadness about it. Because all that we touch and all that we love fades away. And I think you can't really, really, truly be happy unless you cast your eyes on more to life than this world. And one of the reasons, and I know it's not very popular for people to talk about heaven and hell and eternity nowadays, but it's in the Bible. One of the reasons why Christians for centuries and millennia have been singing songs like Joy to the World and celebrate Christmas Day is because Jesus came not just to make a material difference in our life now, but he came to bring us access to a happiness that we ourselves could never reach. So what is the big deal about Christmas? I think the big deal about Christmas is hope. With Jesus coming as a baby, with Jesus coming here on Christmas Day, we have hope for heaven. We have hope for true happiness. You know, for those of us who have no friends, or maybe you're in an unhappy marriage, or you're in a family that you don't like, or there is injustice in the world, and somehow all around you, all those relationships that are supposed to make you happy, they're not making you happy. Jesus has come to bring hope into that situation. Because regardless of the environment you're in, this passage says you don't have to reflect you don't just have to reflect whatever is going on in your life. You can, on account of Jesus, follow his example and sow seeds and be the light and do something to change the environment you're in this Christmas and show some love on Christmas and be that light and reflect Jesus, not the environment we're in. I think that's the big power of Christmas. And so, to end, I'm just going to, um, there's a passage that I want to read. In Romans, we did Romans this year. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. My prayer for you today is that at whatever state of happiness you have come into today's service, whatever family environment you're in, 
whatever your work situation's like, your relationship situation's like, I hope that you'll find hope this Christmas. That you would be able to see in Jesus Christ someone who is able to affect the environment they were placed in. Someone who is able to show a better way to happiness, to life. Um, if I could, I would just like to pray for everybody here. If I could have everybody's eyes closed. I know there are some of you, and it's Christmas Day, and you have no hope. And you're thinking, if you knew my family, if you knew where I'm at, you would know there is no hope. But Jesus Christ was born in an environment much worse than we could fathom. And it turned around. So today, I want to pray for you. If that's you, and you would like me to pray for you, for a change, a transformation to take place in your life, while all eyes are closed, just raise your hands. Just really, it doesn't have to be like super high. You don't have to wave it. Just raise your hands, and I want to pray for you because you've come to church on Christmas Day. Jesus is our hope. Father, I pray for all these hands that are up. Lord, you see them. This Christmas, I pray, Lord, that you would give them a glimpse of what the example of Jesus Christ is and how that can transform any environment. I pray, Lord God, that um, today you would remind us of what Jesus Christ has done. I pray that your Holy Spirit would go into these environments and these families and homes and change the atmosphere in this place. That when there is just nothing left to give and there is nothing but you're receiving hate and you're receiving rejection, I pray, Lord God, that from your well and that from your name would come the ability to show love, would come the ability to follow after Christ. And that that would begin a transformative process in our world and beyond. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, praise the Lord. We're going to end.